Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Second and Nine podcast. We're here recording with you on uh, Saturday morning, uh, January 11th. We're leading into quite possibly the most exciting round of the NFL season. Uh, we're at the divisional round, and we're going to see some of our number one and two seeds that have buys play this week. I like a couple of them a lot from a, from a I guess, a, a betting standpoint, as you could say. But, Tony, uh, how you feeling this week? And uh, – how uh how are you liking these games? Are, are you uh I'm honestly, entertainment uh, purposes on these games? I honestly didn't take any game this week with the spread except for Vikings plus seven. I I don't really trust any of these. I I, I like the Titans a little bit plus nine and a half too, but I don't see them winning that game at all. But besides the Vikings plus seven, I'm really I don't I'm not interested in the spread on really any of these games. I I did some money line stuff, but very small uh, entertainment purposes things. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily am scared of any of these spreads. I'm like looking at them over here on my whiteboard. Uh, the spreads are a lot, but I absolutely love the Chiefs and the Ravens to advance this week. I can't see either of those teams really putting up uh, much of a fight. I-, I could see both teams winning by 10 points or so and, yeah. and covering the spread. It's both a nine and a half spread right now. But before we get into that, uh, and all the playoff games. Let's touch a little bit on uh, our teams and the new regimes that we have in place. Cowboys hiring Mike McCarthy. Giants uh, hiring a wide receiver special teams coach from the Patriots, Joe Judge. You, uh, uh, rushing, you rushing to judge him here on this one? No, I, I actually am not. I, it's like I said before to you before we started recording. It's kind of a similar situation to when we drafted Daniel Jones. Don't really know that much about the guy. I... Uh, not like a huge fan of the press conference that he had in terms of this, the approach that he, he went into it with where he's just like, he goes in as like a disciplinarian type of guy and he's, he's talking up. Like I thought you'd like that a lot. Actually. I thought you'd like his press conference. Interesting. I think, I think it's important. Uh, I, I don't dislike it necessarily uh, just from the current state of the team. Cause I think, I don't want to say Shermer lost the locker room, but they, they didn't play with a, like a, an intensity that I think uh, maybe that Joe Judge is going to bring to the table. But yeah. I don't necessarily – I'm not like a huge fan of that uh, coach speak of, yeah, we're just going to punch him in the mouth and this and that. I, I want to hear more about uh, strategy and resources and or, okay. or things that uh, Gettleman should be saying properly like uh, – they're going to be using like analytics in the back end to make help their decision making and approach it like that versus someone like Gettleman saying, "Oh, we got some computer guys in the background <laughs> working on things." So I, uh, I think I, I, I did like what I did like the other thing I he did like, say of Joe Judge did say though is I, that I liked was he was kind of besides like punching in the nose like he was kind of saying we're going to utilize our personnel we're not going to try to round peg square hole people and and try to make people something that they're not find out what the the talent of the player is and uh, and you and play to their strengths, which is obviously what the Patriots do better than anybody. They can take anyone's casts off and turn them into legitimate players that can contribute to their team. And I, I just like the idea that that's his, his focus. I, I like that. And I did like the punch him in the nose thing because honestly, that's what Giants football should really be about. It should be smash mouth, you know, blue collar, you know, punch you in the nose. And he, like, I liked how he said, like, he's going to make the team match this area. Like, you know, like the blue collar, punch you in the mouth mentality. I kind of, I, I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all good and well, but I don't think that that's the, in my opinion, like the end all be all to uh, like a 
creating one, the winning culture. And then like at the end of the day, the goal is to win Super Bowls. I think at the end of the day, you need to have one, the personnel, which I mean, Gettleman's been hit and miss. And then the other side of it is just a, the strategy and approach to the game, game planning and, and whatnot. Yeah. So like someone hearing someone say, we're going to go out there every week and punch them in the mouth. We're going to be prepared, blah, blah, blah. I think that if you're in the NFL, it, like you should be yeah. no, going into every game, going to punch someone in the mouth. And yeah, that's the, if you don't have that mentality, you're beat already, you're saying, right? But the problem exactly. is, exactly, like the that, that's, that's the base, not, yeah, the that's the base of prep that you need to go into a football game. But the Giants have not had that. It's a necessity. Correct? No, and they haven't had that, especially and, on defense. So, and it, as, far, as far as X's and O's go, too, it's going to be your OC, your DC, you know, primarily pushing that. I think, I think Joe Judge is going to be more of the CEO type of coach than he is going to be necessarily X's and O's in the Giants' offense and defense, you know, scheming. I feel like he's going to hire coordinators to do a lot of that. The question is, which coordinators is going to go with? And is it going to be your boy, Jason Garrett, that gets the offensive coordinator job? I've, I'm hearing actually that it's not going to happen, but. Uh, yeah, no, and that, that's a great point, too. Not that the Jason Garrett point, because, yeah, obviously I don't want Jason Garrett as the OC, but I actually would prefer a situation like that versus a situation like we had with Shermer, where Shermer is yeah. the head coach running the team, making all the decisions, and then he's also calling plays. I like it a lot better when the head coach is kind of like managing everybody, but not necessarily taking on that big responsibility of calling plays because it yeah. takes away attention from all the other potential issues that are things that you have to pay attention to throughout the yeah. course of a game. So I, from that standpoint, I agree with you. I, I'm comfortable with that. So if I could take away any positives, even though I'm being kind of negative right now, I would say that that's definitely a positive. Well, speaking of uh, being negative on your team, um, I think Cowboy fans in general have been negative on their coaching hire. I, not that they've been negative. I think, and I've seen multiple people say the same exact thing, so I'm just going to regurgitate the same point I've heard multiple people make. But, and, but I've seen the same thing. A lot of Cowboy fans are just, they're like, uh, you know, they're okay with the move. They're not like, they're not super happy about it. They're just like, a lot of them have the mentality of like anyone but Garrett. A lot of people have that mentality. But then, like, I don't. I don't see anyone as like super excited and like super happy that we got, you know, Mike McCarthy as our new head coach. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of that, like celebrating, cheering on. I personally think it's an upgrade over Garrett. I hope that some of the stubbornness in the personnel decisions, because I know Garrett was very, very like Garrett's coming, comes from a, a scouting family. So Garrett was very involved in the personnel, which is, I mean, in a sense, that was probably what Cowboys did better. And I think Garrett actually is probably better in the personnel department than he would be as an actual, you know, walk around CEO type head coach, as we were talking about, which is what he's been for the last years. Cause he hasn't been the OC. He hasn't been calling plays. Like, you know, like you said, like he's been just that walk around head coach and he still hasn't done a great job with it. And I think he's better at that kind of stuff than, than necessarily, you know, being a head coach. But uh, um, I, I'm not, I'm not sold that McCarthy's going to make a sig huge, significant difference. I'm, what I'm hopeful is that he'll bring a smash mouth style, uh, you know, play good defense and, and, and run your best player. Cause you know, I you know you, you've complained about it a million times, Jets, Cowboys, even Giants with Saquon, Le'Veon Bell and Zeke, get your best player, the freaking ball, pound the rock, you know, even in games that you're losing, you shouldn't be throwing 45 times. Like I, I, I'm, I'm always a proponent of, Hey, you can't just say, run the ball 30 times a game because if you're trailing, you can't run the ball 30 times, but you still run the ball, you know, 18 times. There's no reason for games to be 10, 12, 13 carries for Zeke. It's, there's never a situation where you should have a game where Zeke only had touches the ball 12 times, unless he runs the ball 12 times for 140 and you, he scores two touchdowns and you're winning going away. He should never have that few carries ever. 
Yeah, 100%. Like you said, you've heard me say it a million times. Uh, I think it's a positive. I think it's definitely an upgrade for the Cowboys. It's, and it's definitely a better option than the other guy that they uh, interviewed. And I feel like that was – I feel like that was just kind of uh, putting on a show, like for that Rooney rule. Like, I like Marvin Lewis. Everyone, Marvin everyone Lewis. hates him. Everyone hate like hates that idea. But I, you, you I just would... love him as a person. I, I think he's such a good like human being. I, I'd love to see him like working with our team. But I mean, with having Hugh Jackson at the helm, I wouldn't be crazy about that. I know speaking and speaking of interesting possible OC court um, pickups, the Giants are considering. Uh, oh my God, I just blanked on his name. Oh, Freddie Kitchens. You saw that. I did see that. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting. I don't know how yeah. to really feel about that. I don't <laughs> based on the based on the record from this year, I don't necessarily like that, but how many other good options are there out there? I, I wouldn't mind them going out and taking a chance on maybe like a younger coach as a coordinator position. I like I said before see, we started recording the whole rule versus judge, like who I would rather I have. I I, I would not have felt comfortable with a guy like Rule as the head coach, but if he came in as like a, a coordinator, obviously he's already signed that big deal with the Carolina Panthers. But I wouldn't mind them bringing a, a, a yeah, more innovative guy that's that's going to try and like take chances see, with the offense because it's not like he wouldn't have um, little like good tools to play. No, with no, no. the Giants' offense has got have, some weapons. Yeah, yeah. Giants need to fix that offensive line, and they're going to have. A, an opportunity to do so in this draft because this draft's going to have a ton of offensive linemen this year and, and picking up where they are, they're going to have a chance to get a really good one. The question is, do they put off some of their other needs to solidify that offensive line or do they take a cornerback? What I disagree with you on as far as, you know, getting a younger, at this point, a younger, more innovative OC at this point where the giants are at, like with Joe judge as your, coach head coach that that's not a lot of experience joe judge brings he's, he's like 30 what 38 39 years old uh he's never been a head coach at, in the nfl before obviously he's not even he wasn't even oc or dc he was a special teams coach and wide receivers coach you want some experienced offensive coordinator experienced defensive coordinator someone who knows how to manage the game like help you out a lot on that kind of, in those kind of situations like i don't think i think you want someone or it, it could be other people on the staff but you need some people with head coaching experience in the nfl to help joe judge because it's going to be a huge learning curve for him. And, you know, granted, the Giants are not exactly, you know, you know ready to – ready-made to win right now. So, obviously, you know, they have some time to, to build this thing. But, you know, I can see a scenario where, if, the, if let's say, this first year in Joe Judge is, is, a, is a bad season for the Giants, you know, that, that second season for him can be like kind of a make-or-break year it can end up being. Because if they have back-to-back, -back, you know, bad seasons, you, you, you know, you know, you know, Gettleman's going to be gone at that point. And now you're – you know, what we were talking about in the past where you have your, you know, your head coach and your GM on different contracts and you're firing one, you're, you want to give Joe Judge more time, you're hiring a new GM, and it's just – it becomes a, a mess and a crap show for uh, lack of using curse words to uh, make this less listenable. Well, that – I think that's why this whole situation with uh, – and I've compared it to the Jets in the past where they're getting rid of the head coach – and now Gettleman's going to stay in place if they have, like yeah, you said, a bad year next year. Gettleman, I think, will be gone if he doesn't make good draft picks. Unless, yeah, unless there's like young impact, talent, yeah. And then he doesn't make his free agent signings better be good too. Free agent, yeah, because yeah. uh, we see how because this older he's, one he's is missed. Worked out. He's missed a bunch of bunch of these guys on his free agent pickups. Like you need to pick up at least some some 
some solid, you know, one to two year, you know, a couple million, you know, two, three, four million, six million dollars a year contract. You got to pick up some veterans like that who can fill out your roster. I mean, okay, give you another, I mean, a good example of someone I'm talking about, like uh, Marcus Golden, Did you know, he had 10 sacks for the Giants and he was like, you know, reasonably cheap contract. You need to sign guys like that. You can't be picking up guys like Nate Solder who are, you know, underperforming and overpaid. You know, you know, you, the more guys you have like that on your team, the, you know, the harder it's going to be to be successful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Well, we'll have to see how it plays out, uh, but I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. I, for me, it's I think it's a net positive for both teams to move on from those two coaches because I think that in terms of winning in the future, getting to the ultimate goal to the Super Bowl, I don't think that either of those coaches were the right uh, yeah. fit for both of those teams. Obviously, Garrett Garrett was a different situation because he's been there for so long, and it was just kind of he probably plateaued at some point, and now he seemed like he. Didn't maybe lose the locker room, but he's not bringing that extra motivation well, to foster into the team. Two things also about what you're saying is, well, one, any coach, I mean, Tom Coughlin's message ultimately got stale with the Giants. Like any coach, I mean, Mark McCarthy's message ultimately got stale with the Packers. Like no matter how good a coach is, I mean, unless you're Bill Belichick, generally speaking, like your message is going to get stale unless you're having st- continued st- st- sustained success that message is going to get stale after a while. Like you want to, you know, especially after a season like the Cowboys had, you want to refresh it. And, you know, I mean, Shermer, I don't know. Like I was like listening to the radio and they were saying how he came into the season like nine and 23 as a head coach. And that with the Giants, he was like 10 and 23 or not, or he was 10 and 23 and like nine and 24. It's something like something ridiculous. Like, I mean, just like such a losing coach. Like what, what makes you think that you're going to be able to win with that kind of guy? Like I, I just, I don't know. It was like the fool's gold with what he turned Chase or uh, excuse me, Case Keenum into. Yeah. And winning, getting to the NFC championship game with the Vikings. I think that's how he won the job. Uh, I mean, we can, the hindsight's 2020. We can, we can bash it all we want, but at the end of the day, he's gone now. And uh, they have a guy from the Patriots system in. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, it's like, it, upside. Giants have a lot of upside in this pick. I, mean, I feel like it could definitely be a bust pick as well. But, but you've, a, said, you've said it a bunch a of times. A lot of upside. Giants have a lot of work to do in terms of filling out all those empty yeah, no, holes no, no, no. in their rosters. No, so. he's going to have time. Joe Judge will get time. Joe Judge is going to get his three or four years at least yeah. to, to coach. Like, Mike, like I said, the question is whether or not the Giants are going to be able to get it turned around within the next year and a half, really. Because like, I don't think next year is going to be much of a, you know, much of anything, you know, the Giants are going to struggle next year, pretty much. I think they can, you know, maybe they can get to seven, eight wins, you know what I'm saying? Like in, in next year, and I think that will be a good step in the right direction for them. But if they, if they fall even a little short of that, and then the following year struggle, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hell to pay for Dave Gettleman. It's going to, he's going to lose his job. Oh yeah. 100%. But uh, let's move on and transition to the divisional round. We'll touch on a little bit of the games from last week, but we're going to dive in mostly to, uh, games we got going on this week and I guess we'll start off with uh let's actually start off with the the Vikings and 49ers this uh that's a game today actually 435 game Vikings 49ers uh it's a seven point spread right now Vikings are uh, getting seven on the road against the 49ers uh what did you see last week from uh the Vikings uh, against the Saints and are you ready to apologize for what you said to me <laughs> yes Kirk Cousins from I'm last totally week? okay well all right, first of all, I'm never going to apologize 
to you about Kirk Cousins, all right? Because you crap on the guy on a regular basis. So I was just, I was just trying to make a funny joke that like you always hate on him, yet you're going with him in this game. So that's like that's kind of my point. I hey, what, what happened in that game? They actually know. won it outright. Honestly, I but we we talked about. It. I mean, I, I could see the game going both ways. I mean, the, I, what I learned is the same thing we were talking about last 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 time. You know, the Vikings are a legit defense. They have bunch of weapons they got a good offensive line they have a pretty good quarterback who you know you would call choke pro choke prone you know and maybe he is a little choke prone but you know he, he wasn't they, they weren't the better team than the saints but they are a very very good team they have a very good quarterback they have an incredible running back really good running game and a very legit defense that front four is unbelievable and anthony barr adds to it too even though he's a linebacker he adds to it former jet it, or yeah. almost former Jet. Oh, almost former Jet. <laughs> uh, Daniil Hunter's just a savage. These guys are just – they're bad. They're bad. They're bad men uh, on the Vikings. And I honestly, I can see them – I can see them upsetting the 49ers. I would go with the 49ers in a close game. I think the 49ers will win a close game this time. But I'll take, uh, I'll take Minnesota plus the seven points. Okay. That's fair. Uh, in terms of them being – not being a better team than the Saints, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think uh, if we're going based off of this year and how they've played – compared to the Saints. That's why I was leaning the Vikings, especially on a one o'clock start, because yeah, yeah. The, Vikings, the Vikings have been, yeah, I mean, obviously that statistic for Kirk Cousins is a big deal, but just in general, if you watch the, the both teams this year, the Saints have been awkwardly inconsistent at times, where sometimes they look like they're unbeatable, where they, they can't be stopped offensively. Michael Thomas ended up with 149 catches a season to set the record, a single season record, but it's disgusting. If you compare the Saints team, I think maybe some people had the misconception of thinking that this year's Saints team is the same team as they were last year. And I don't think that they were. I think they were a better team last year. They did get hosed by that no PI call uh, in an NFC Championship game against the Rams. Arguably, uh, got, I think arguably yeah. got hosed again off that push off, but there was a lot of contact on both sides on that. that was, yeah, I mean, that was a borderline call. I actually, I called when, when Rudolph kind of like, I guess, pushed off on him. I didn't. I didn't think that that was a PI. It was close. Uh, I can see an argument either way, but it was funny that right after the game, once uh, the analysts started talking about it, they were like, oh, how do they not call that? That's a PI. Like, he obviously I, I has, his, he has his arm straight out. I, 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 can, I can see if, it either if way. If the defender I mean, didn't grab him, if the defender doesn't grab him, they're not hand fighting, then I 100% think it's push off. But if, if you're going to grab me, I'm going to push off. That's just, you know, you got to let him play, I think, at that point. And I think that, that's what's happened. That's what happened on the play. And I, yeah, exactly. I think in the playoffs, they're going to let them play a little bit more. And uh, in, in that case, I think, granted, like what happened the year before, the referee, like the referee crew, I think, in my opinion, was completely scared to go back and review that after yeah. basically after the game was over for them to go back and do it. Imagine they overturned the call. There would be uh, like yeah. riots in no, the streets no, in Minnesota. Yeah, so, it's yeah, crazy. but I. Uh, Let's, I, I want to make one, one comment from that game, from the Saints' perspective. I know that they lost and they're out of it. But we talked a little bit about how good, at least how good I think Taysom Hill is. And yeah. really quickly, what would you give up for him if you had to trade for him? If uh, you're building a team, whether you have, let's say you have a lower end top 10 to 15 quarterback on your team in the NFL, what would you give up for a guy like Taysom Hill? Because personally, I would – I would give up a first round pick because I think if you have, if he's in a different situation than with uh, a guy like Breeze, a Hall of Fame quarterback, I think he could get a lot more playing time than he does on the Saints. And he gets sporadic work here and there, but 
the guy is a flat out playmaker. He's yeah. an athlete. He's tough. He's got toughness. He can throw the ball really well. I would give up a first round pick for a guy like that. I, all right. Well, this is what I'll say. I, when I, when you asked me this question, I was thinking about it. I said a, a second or third round pick I would give up for him, but I'm talking about from the Cowboys perspective. Like, I don't think the Cowboys necessarily would need it, but now you're changing the framing of the question a little bit. You're saying if you had a lower end quarterback, like let's say, I know I'm the Bears and I have Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you know, from what I hear, the rumor is they're going to try to bring in Marcus Mariota to compete with, not to compete necessarily with Trubisky, because they feel that Mariota is not talented enough to overtake Trubisky, but talented enough to start games if they need to. And, you know, even relieve Trubisky if he's maybe, like, you know, playing really poorly in an individual game and you give the job back to Trubisky later. I think Taysom Hill would be a way better, you know, prospect to go out and invest in than, you know, than go out and sign Mariota because, one, I think Taysom Hill has a legitimate chance to be a really good quarterback. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I, it's really hard to tell. He hasn't played, you know, a ton. But he can throw the football. I mean, some of these passes he's throwing are, are laser beams, and they're—I mean—they're I mean, they're right on the money. That—that fifty-yard pass he threw was a was a dime. And I know you were saying that it looked like it was maybe a little underthrown. People were saying, I, I, yeah, maybe, but like it was still a a laser matter, beam, sixty yards it. downfield. Yeah, sixty yards in the air and he hit him right in the bread basket. He had one hundred and twenty-five total yards. He had like twenty-five yards receiving, fifty yards rushing, fifty yards passing. It's like it's like you know he's an all-purpose guy. Like a team like the Bears, I would I would easily, well, depending on where the Bears are picking, the Bears are in the middle of the draft. I would consider giving up a first-round pick for him. I well, mean, me, it's tough. Me, it's tough training for veterans because then you have to pay them pretty soon, and you you know you're giving up a cheap contract. We, I mean, you know, I love the draft picks because you know you get you get that cheap labor. You know, it, it's really key to building a good team. But regardless, but I mean, regardless of the, uh, I guess looking into the future, what you're going to have to pay him. Let me make my case for him. If you're, if you're drafting right now, if you're the 15th draft, would you take Herbert a guy like Taysom Hill? Or Herbert, let's say. Or, or maybe a guy like Herbert. I would but, think I would, I but, think I would take but see, Hill. I, I don't, I think, yeah, 100%, I would take Taysom Hill. I mean, he's already like, he's already proven it. And I don't think you necessarily have to bring him in as like your starting quarterback. Yeah. Cause he, he's a weapon too. He's a weapon he, too. He's just, he's just such a good football player overall that he can do so many different things that I think he can help your team wherever you really need him. So it could be at quarterback. It could be, and wide running receiver, back, it could be a running end. back. It could Gunner. be. I mean, you even saw during personal the, protector during the game last week against the Vikings. I mean, he made that one one of the key blocks for Kamara to yep, run yep, in yep, and, yep. and get a touchdown. touchdown. So like he literally yeah. does he's it. A fullback. All. He, he's he's a like end. He's, he's a running back. He's what I think some people anticipated Tebow being. Or Cordell Stewart. Or Cordell, or Cordell Stewart. Yeah, that's a that's a decent comparison. Yeah. But this guy's uh, a little bit more built and solid. Yeah, and he runs a, a lot faster than those guys. Monster. Maybe not as much Tebow. He's similar in that. Uh, yeah. But I feel field. like he's more. He's faster, more dynamic than Tebow. Tebow was quick, mm -hmm. had some speed, but didn't have like Taysom Hills. He gets up lightning fast speed, and he's a big boy. He's a load to bring down. I, I like him. I like him a lot too. Now that we're yes. just slurping Taysom Hill for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, all right. So since, <laughs> since we are doing that a little bit too much, I'm going to make the pick on this game. This one's really tough. I, uh, I think I'm going to go with the 49ers minus seven. I think that this is probably going to be around another one of those games. I guess, like I said before, Chiefs Ravens, I could see both of those teams winning by like 10 points or so. I could see yeah. the same thing here with the 49ers. I think the, the fact that this game's at 435, West Coast, it's uh, I think this is going to throw Kirk Cousins' clock all over the place. Yeah. So if you want to call me the, the Kirk Cousins basher this week, then fine. Last week no, it wasn't no, legitimate. No. Then now if you want to, then 
no, I won't so. dispute I mean, it I at all. I respect your opinion on that. I'm not going to call you a basher. I wasn't saying you were bashing him. I was just saying you always bash him, and now you're going to go pick him. I mean, this feels a lot more natural for him. Hey, I'm, I'm in it to win it for the picks. That's, that's all I'm about. So, I mean, last week they won. They won the game outright. I could have taken a money line, and that would have been good. <laughs> for real, that would have been, been a smart bet. Yeah. All right, All right well, let's, let's, uh, let's actually, move on to the next game. Before we go to the next game, I want to talk one thing. Let's talk about last week's one game. Um, just real quick, Seahawks uh, 17, Philadelphia Eagles 9. I want to go into a conversation. When I texted you after the game was over, I said that Carson Wentz has played four seasons in the NFL. He has one playoff appearance, three playoff passing yards, one playoff completion. So what do you think about uh, his, his ridiculously high-end uh, stats he's got in the, in the playoffs so far? Well, I mean, I think this is uh, very similar to the relationship that I have with Kirk Cousins. Uh, you have a like a, a distinct <laughs> Carson Wentz. And That's a perfect you're, segue. You're only really trying to uh, no. I'm I'm to trying to be funny. Out, I'm like, trying to be funny. I'm trying to be funny. But at the same time, I mean, everyone wanted to like crown him as like you know as, as you know coming of age in this last you know little playoff run they made where they where they barely squeaked by the worst division in football. And I feel like a lot of people were crapping on the Cowboys. A lot of them, not that they were, they were crapping on the whole division. I'm not saying that no one, people weren't crapping on the whole division, but I feel like a lot of people were just like, oh, well, this is clearly now Wentz. It's clearly a lot better than Dak. And this is the argument is officially over. And I mean, Dak's got a better record against Carson Wentz than Wentz has against Dak. Wentz is, is never healthy. Wentz is what has four seasons in the NFL. He's, he's been healthy for the playoffs one completion worth he's been healthy for the playoffs. his team's made the playoffs but he has not been able to play the games because he's always hurt he's always out of the game the most important ability in football is availability if you're not available what good are you to your team that's why eli manning was so great yeah you're right and this one that's one thing that made <laughs> eli just, great because you know the, he's there you're, the only, you know he's there the reason why i have to always take these conversations with you about Carson Wentz with a huge grain of salt is because it just always comes back to Dak. And we're like, we're not, we weren't talking about Dak. We're talking about the Seahawks and uh, the Eagles game. And somehow the conversation kind of like, I want to say it slithers its way back to Dallas Cowboys. And let me tell you something right now. Why? I'm in AC uh, the week, the week that the, the Eagles lost to the Miami Dolphins. And I, I had, money on the Eagles. And if the Eagles would have simply won, I would have won like a couple hundred bucks. And it was the last thing that I needed in my parlay to win. And, and they really, they killed me. So I'm at dinner and I'm watching the highlights. And mind you, I mean, we're right by Philly, right? So there's a lot of Philly fans in, in AC, right? So the guys, and we're at the Hard Rock Cafe in the Hard Rock Hotel in AC. And there's a, there's a couple behind us and I hear them, you know, bad, you know, bashing the Eagles of how mad they are. I can't believe they love, blah, blah, blah. And they're Eagle fans. And so I ever, I, I turn around, I start talking to the guy. I was like, tell him I, how I bet on the, on the Eagles. He's like, oh, you bet on the birds, all that stuff. We were going back and forth. And he goes, and we're talking about, we start talking about the Cowboys, talking about the Eagles and how bad our division is. And, and he goes, but I mean, Dak's really terrible. I mean, he just, he, he's, that quarterback sucks. I mean, your guy's quarterback sucks. And like, that's their perception that, that Wentz is a beast and Dak sucks. And it's just like, okay, well, I'm not, I mean, we were talking about this the other day. I would, I would be willing to move on from Dak right now and go sign Tom Brady for two years and then draft the guy and then go for the future. But at the end of the day, you can't say Dak sucks. He's, he's as good as Carson Wentz. At, at, at least it's close. At least it's close. But, you know, it's, it's, it's arguable. But, like, everyone wants to have this absolute definitive answer now that, that Carson Wentz won one division title and made his first playoff appearance. And guess what? What, how many – first drive of the game? He can't even stay on the field. And, and granted, I mean, it was a 
a borderline penalty. It should have been a borderline penalty, even though they did not find uh, Clowney for that hit. Borderline should have been a late hit penalty. But at the end of the day, you still got to be able to take hits like that. We were talking about how Josh Allen in overtime got cracked in the side of the helmet, helmet to helmet, like crowd of the dude's helmet, hits him right in the side of the head. And he looked out of it for a, little, a few minutes after that. But he still kept in the game and kept playing. Carson Wentz is just – I think he's made out of the same stuff that Tony Romo was made out of. Glass. Glass, pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the concussion thing is kind of a, a tough one. I don't want to fault him as much for that. It was a late hit. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's, he's proven to be somewhat injury prone. I, I think the reason why I talk him up a little bit well, a lot more than Dak is just from mostly the eye test – his ability to uh, throw the ball downfield well. Yeah. But, well, uh, yeah, like you said, one of the most important things is availability. And he, he's gotten – he's had too big of an injury history to this point in his career. And especially a game like that, which at the end of the day, you watch that game. They could have won. If he would have played, it was yeah, a winnable game. Yep, you're right. And they've had an up-and-down season. And they could have – they got a home game in the playoffs and they could have knocked out a team that could have been the number one seed. If not and they already like, beat the Packers. And they already beat the Packers this year. Yeah, so it, they could have they could have maybe done some damage. Uh, we, we both thought that the Seahawks would win the game. It, the Eagles had a chance and maybe would keep it close. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of tough to see. I feel bad for the guy that he's getting hurt this much. But yeah. hopefully they, they continue to stick with him in Go, the future. I think real quick, going back before we move on. Um, yeah, Wentz is definitely more talented than Dak and gives, in the eye test. But quarterback is not simply a physical talent game there's a cerebral part of being quarterback and I feel like Dak is just as good or better than Wentz where Dak will take the check down or take what's given to him and take and sometimes like I said sometimes even to his detriment sometimes Dak is checking down and I haven't seen it as much this season as in his first couple seasons taking the check down when he has something bigger downfield but Wentz is always taking these chances and he's not connecting consistently especially when his weapons were all you know banged up and he had very you know very few weapons available to him he's still taking these chances and throwing these deeper balls when he's got check downs available that he could take easy free yards and put set himself up into a better situation he's not he, he's, a chance, he's a chance taker. I do like how he plays the game, and I think he's a talented player, but you, he has to be smarter in taking what's given to him and, and, and making smarter decisions that are not always the, you know, the highest reward but can make a difference in the game in the final score. Yeah, yeah no, there's nothing that I disagree with you on there, on that, uh, on that front. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to the next game, which is uh, the second game today on Saturday, which is – Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. This is a nine and a half point uh, spread. Titans you love you some underdog. Ravens. You love you some Ravens. This one, right? I think the Ravens, uh, especially Lamar Jackson, he got to sit in week 17. He's fresh, ready to go. I think they should win this game comfortably. I know the Titans put up a, a great fight last week against the Patriots. Won that, un, that game unexpectedly. Ended the game with a pick six, which blew up a lot of people's uh, yeah. bets like with that spread. But I think at the end of the day, one of the most important, I think, stats of that game is, and especially based on what we talked about last week, what Belichick will always try and do, take away the best players on the offenses. And they really focused on um, A.J. Brown and, and Derrick Henry. Even though Henry had a pretty good game, Tannehill ended up 8 for 15, 72 yards. Jeez. So, and they won the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but the Patriots couldn't do anything on offense either. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't, but 
I think the, the Titans are going to have a hard time because they're going to be facing arguably the best offense yeah. in the NFL in Baltimore. With that Baltimore also has a very good defense, maybe equal, probably equal or even better than the Patriots defense. So Titans, I think, are going to have a little bit of a rude awakening. People are – some people like R.J. Bell, again, I always bring him up because he's on Michael Clay's show. He's doing a weekly spot talking about, like, the spreads and stuff in each game. And he was ranking the Titans, I believe, over the Texans and the Seahawks in terms of a quote-unquote better team at this point. Wow. I don't see that. Uh, I think the Titans have played well. And the key to that that team is can you contain Derrick Henry yeah. and make a Tannehill beat you? And I, I Tannehill's pretty good. Tannehill's played pretty well this year, but as you can see in that game, I think he's going to have a rough go at it in this game. And I don't see the Titans having enough answers for Lamar Jackson in that offense to be able to to stop them from putting up at least twenty four to twenty eight points in that game. And I think that that will be more than enough to win it. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that's pretty much exactly where. Um, the Ravens are going to end up in the 24-28 range. I just think the Titans are going to score some points, too. I don't see them winning this game. Although I would give them a, a, a very small outside chance of, of, of pulling off the upset. But I, I do like them plus the 9.5. I just think it'll be a closer game than all that. And if I, I think if the Ravens do end up covering, it'll be because they were up, you know, between four and six or seven points late in the game. And they're having a chance to put it away, and they just score a late touchdown, and then get a stop on, on the rally. I, I think that's how they'll, they'll they'll cover. I don't think they're gonna cover going away in a situation where the Titans maybe let's say score a late touchdown to cut the lead to, to ten points, let's say, and they cover that way. I think it'll be like they're they're gonna have to score pretty late in the in the game to cover the spread. Otherwise, I, th- I can see uh, I can see Titans pulling out the cover at least. Uh, I, I think you're I think you're right too. I think Tannehill's gonna have to play a lot better than he did last week. I think he will. I don't think he's gonna have eight for 15 for 72 yards. I mean, I think he's going to throw for, you know, 180 to 220 yards. He's going to be okay. I think I don't, AJ, I don't think that's good enough though. I mean, if that, if that's what well, if, the, if the running game, be. if the running game's going, then it, it, it might, it could be. I mean, like I said, I, I think the Ravens will win too. I, I am with you. I think the Ravens will win, you know, but I can see them winning by a touchdown. I can see them winning by six, seven, eight points. I don't necessarily see them, you know, winning by double digits. That's all. I mean, it's like I said, it's a tough game to pick. I'm not crazy about any of the games with the spread. But uh, I, I do like the Titans, and my nephew's in my ear a lot. Um, I finally regained my throne in Madden, and I, I kicked the crap out of him, which was, which was huge. Huge for – you know, I actually uh, – I gassed him up right before he played the go-ahead game for him, and I told him that he's, you know, he's the – I'm going to be passing the crown to him, and it's, you know, it's, you know, he's the new Madden king and all that. I gassed him up right before, and then uh, I guess I got him overconfident, and I was able to pull up the, uh, the upset, which was really big. But he's, he's a huge Titans fan. He, he put $10 – on Titans to win straight up. He was very confident in, this, in, the, in his bet, too. So uh, maybe he's getting in my ear a little bit. So I'll take in the Titans plus nine and a half. No, I, yeah, don't, don't, don't be influenced. I know that he made the Derrick Henry call earlier in the season where he drafted him and you he didn't did. really agree with it. But I, I, I didn't s- agree with it. I thought, Josh, I thought Josh Jacobs was better. But, you know, Henry, Henry had a hell of a season. Yeah, but uh, in, in terms of this game, I'm going to give the points with the Ravens. I can see the game being – uh, 28-17, 31-17, Ravens. I can see that too. Uh, it's, I think that they win relatively comfortably. I think that the defense is very good. I don't know how much respect they get around the league. Honestly, I don't think they're as good as you think they are. I think their defense is solid. I'm not saying they're a bad defense, but I don't think they're – like you're saying they're as good as the Patriots. I disagree. I don't think. I think the Titans will score more points than the Patriots 
expected. I mean, it's, uh, it's possible, but the Ravens are going to score a lot more points than the Patriots. No, no, I agree. I, mean, I agree with that. But I think the Titans will have an easier time finding, even though they ran all over the Patriots. They ran all over. They couldn't throw much on the Patriots, but they ran all over the Patriots. I don't think they're going to run necessarily as good. They'll have a much better passing game, much more balanced this week. And I think it'll be a close game. I'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it pans out. Yeah. But so far, we're different on both. So that's interesting. Yeah, you've taken both underdogs so far. I'm taking the. See, I, I feel great about the 49ers winning this week the Ravens winning this week and let's go move into the next game tomorrow's 305 uh kickoff game Texans at Chiefs so uh, the Chiefs are another team I I think uh, if you want to put uh just for entertainment purposes only uh, a little like teaser wager I think that would be an interesting one for this week taking like a seven point teaser for the 49ers Ravens and Chiefs because you could basically get the 49ers straight up to win Ravens and Chiefs minus two and a half each. I yeah. think that's a that's a. I would love that. Pick. I think that's I easy actually. Money. Yeah, I agree. I, I, agree. I, I think uh, I, I might be changing up like uh, a couple of the wagers I put in this week. But in terms of that game, we t- we had a conversation last week about Deshaun Jack or Deshaun Watson, quote unquote. Does he have a uh, potential to be a future MVP in this game? I don't necessarily see him playing that well. I think he's going to struggle a little bit. I think the defense will be rolling uh, as they have been. And I think Mahomes is going to be putting up a significant amount of points. I think the the Chiefs should crack 30 points in this game. And I think they win comfortably. So I'm going to take the Chiefs minus nine and a half in this game. It could be a high-scoring game, though. One of the uh, picks, actually, that R.J. Bell had this week was um, the over on this game, which was at Yeah, I like that. I was going to say last, that. Last time I checked. I, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna say necessarily bet the over, but I just think both these teams are gonna put up some points. I think it's gonna be a really fun game to watch. Uh, and it's actually I, interesting too when when he made that that pick, and I actually included it in one of my uh, friendly parlays. It was at fifty one. Right now it's at fifty one and a half. Yeah, one a little bit. Well, I mean, like, like I said, I like both both these teams to score some points this this week. I uh, I'm gonna go Chiefs too minus nine and a half, but I, I could definitely see the Texans covering. The Chiefs' defense is not that good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're a terrible defense. They've been playing better as of late, and they have some playmakers on their team. Uh, you know, but there's like they got they're banged up too. I think uh, their big D tackle Jones is is banged up too. And it, I'm not I'm not I'm just not crazy about their defense. I think Deshaun Watson and, and company and his weapons are going to be able to make some hay against them and, and put up some points. I think they're also getting uh, Fuller back this week, which is going to help Deshaun Watson a ton. Uh, he was awesome. Last week, it was really, really fun watching. I had money on on them minus uh, two and a half, and it was really, really fun to watch uh, watch him operate and watch him play. I, he, he's just he's just such a he's such an exciting player to watch. Like we, we were like I was saying, like maybe we're get. I was saying last week maybe we should pump the brakes on him being like MVP talks. And I'm just kind of, I'm standing by that. I'm not saying just because he played well, that's not true. But I think we're also splitting hairs there because I mean he's still a top ten quarterback. He's still one of the best in the league. It's going to be a really fun game to watch, but. I'm going to lean Chiefs with minus the nine and a half, but I can see it going either way. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's those are fair points. Uh, I think my main point to make about the Chiefs and just going forward is one of my other entertainment purpose only um, wagers that I have are Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I got four and a half to one, I believe, on it, and nice. I nice. I think everyone is still sleeping on Patrick Mahomes. My opinion. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in that yeah, NFL. Number one. I know I that, that everyone's been talking about Lamar Jackson, how well he played this year. Everyone's still well, Lamar we'll played about the best. Aaron Rodgers. Lamar no, played well, the best this year. He, he did. But Mahomes, well, Mahomes is the best player. Mahomes has been has played with injuries and stuff throughout yeah. the season, hasn't really rounded into form. And that, I mean, 
lately. I mean, they he's been rounding into form. The defense has been playing a lot better. Everyone's healthy. So I think everything is lining up for them the to way go they into built Baltimore that team and possibly win that game. The way they built that team, too, is just like they, they gave him – so many weapons and they're just so dynamic and so fast like at tight end. They have one of the fastest, strongest, best tight ends in the NFL. They have Tyree kill Nicole Hardman, even Sammy Watkins and these other guys, they, they, they are all speedy, speedy guys. They're really, really tough offensive stop, especially with that, you know, incredible quarterback, ridiculous arm. He's amazing at scrambling. He's super quick. He can throw the ball from any angle. He just, his release is, he's got the fastest release in the league. He's, he, he's, He's the best quarterback. He's, he's, like I said, Lamar Jackson has played the best this year. He's been everything we talked Mahomes up to be. You know, everything, everywhere where Mahomes was drafted to be this year, Lamar Jackson was that. But going forward, who's the better quarterback? Who would I rather have? 100% I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes than Lamar Jackson. I'm still not even sold 100% Lamar Jackson is going to be able to sustain this forever. I mean, he's, he's dynamic. He's awesome. Like, he, you know, he definitely could be great but I'm not a hundred percent sold that he's going to be this good forever. Yeah. We obviously you have to continue to see him improve uh, as the seasons go by. And in terms of this, you know, the last thing that I'll say, I think, uh, I think Tyree kill gets loose for, for a long one. I, I think uh, there's a lot of interesting fantasy picks this week. A lot of interesting fantasy picks, picks I feel like this week. Yeah, well, it's it's actually kind of hard to predict to some of these games. I think this is the one game that, like, sticks out to me. Obviously, it has the biggest over-under, but the other games, it's kind of hard to tell if it's it, – like, you could see the games going either way, either being, like, just a defensive battle or teams just clicking offensively and putting up points. Uh, and I think a perfect example of that is the Seahawks and the Packers game, which is the last game, 640 tomorrow on Sunday. Packers are a four and a half point favorite at home. This is a like a tough one because it, Packers are maybe the biggest enigma of all of these teams that you don't really know what you're going to get week to week from this team. They sometimes when they get the running game going, Aaron Jones is just rolling and they 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 can't really be stopped offensively, especially like when they're able to move easy, uh, move the ball easily down the field with the running game, and then Rodgers can work play action and and get Devontae Adams involved and throw, take some deep shots down the field. I think it's going to be a tough game. This is one that's really tough to call for me, at least. In terms of the spread, I'm going to lean the Seahawks getting the four and a half points. I don't really feel great about that because th- this game I could see going either way. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a low-scoring game, a high-scoring game, or yeah, anything between like the, the Packers losing the game outright or the Packers winning by 10. It's uh, – yeah, this one's, I think, the toughest game to predict, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think these are probably the two most evenly matched teams. That's probably why you're saying that, because I think they're the two most evenly matched teams. I still think the Packers are a better team overall. They have a better defense, I think. I think they have a better uh, – Rodgers got a better supporting cast. I was listening to Colin Cowherd talk about this game, and he, what he was saying is one of the big keys to the game for him was going to be, is Rodgers going to be patient and sticking with the script that, that's worked for them all season? The script's been, you know, play good defense, be really a you know, running football team first and Rodgers does what he does when he when he has the opportunities but not necessarily taking the lead and is Rodgers going to be patient enough if if things don't get off to a hot start for them or let's say it's a low scoring early game because you know you notice that the you know the Seahawks have been playing a lot of really first of all the Seahawks play close games every every week they're playing in a close game regardless of like they're playing up or down almost their competition and then they'll play one of the better teams in the league it'll be a close game they'll play an average team it'll be a pretty close game 
So I think it's going to be probably a close game overall. But I can see that, like you said, being a little bit of a low-scoring game. And does Rodgers get impatient and, and, and try to do a little bit too much? I think that could hurt his team. Um, that being said, I'm still going to I'm still going to lean Rodgers and the Pack. I think they're the better team. I'm going to give up the four and a half, and I'm going to I'm going to go Pack. Okay, that, yeah, that's fair. So you're you're going uh, opposite of me on what three different games this week. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. I but to that point, I think the. I think the fact that the Seahawks have been playing a lot of close games, I, I look at it as more of a positive. Yeah, no, no doubt. No I mean, doubt. It, playing in the playoffs, no that's what these games are going to be. And a lot of the times you're going to have to keep, keep your composure during a lot of those big moments, during those, those big plays and big drives when the game is close later in the game. It, it, it allows you, I think, when, with more experience to relax. And uh, you see how Russell Wilson is in an, or he ha- how he has been in his career in a lot of those situations. He's very composed and will make some of those big plays. So, well, so do Rogers, though. like watch out for that. If it's a close game, I would be a little bit nervous if I were the Packers. I think if the Packers get out to an early lead, then I can, uh, I can maybe like switch my view to, to leaning towards the Packers winning that game. But it, the Packers get out to a lead in the beginning. Of, I mean, excuse me, the Seahawks get out to a lead in the beginning of the game. Uh, it'll be interesting. I don't, I don't know if I've seen enough resiliency from the Packers yet this season. Uh, to think that they're going to come back in that game if they go down, let's say, see, I disagree. Ten nothing in the second quarter or something. Like I that. see. I disagree though, because I think at the end of the day, they have Aaron freaking Rodgers. I mean, you saw like you know firsthand what Aaron Rodgers can do. I mean, you remember that Randall Cobb hell Mary against the Giants the last time the Giants were in the playoffs. Like he could put up points at any time. Like he's just he's an unbelievable, unbelievable player. I think. I think. Like, I agree with everything you said about Russell Wilson, but I think all those same things completely apply to Aaron Rodgers as well. So, yeah, everything you said is right, but I think it applies both ways to both players. I just can see it going both ways. It's, this is like – I think, this is an, I think all the matchups are pretty interesting matchups, all of them. It's going to be fun to watch all these games, I feel like. Yeah, no, it will be. But I, I, I'm, I'm probably leaning more Seahawks than anything. Obviously, I'm getting the four and a half points, but I, I think the – this is just my opinion. I mean, you said that you like the Packers defense a little bit better. I think the Seahawks are a little bit more of a complete team overall. And they have a, a coach that has a lot more experience, yeah. obviously, than the Packers coach. So it's, uh, it, yeah, that is going to be the most interesting game. I, I think it's cool that it, that's the last game of the weekend on Sunday night at 640. So uh, it'll probably be one of those back-and-forth contests that it'll be either defensive plays back-and-forth or – Rodgers and Russell Wilson making plays, throwing the ball downfield. So it'll be interesting. But uh, let's uh, let's wrap it up. We've been going for a while. Want to do a fantasy guy real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Give me your uh, – you got one fantasy guy this week. Give me a, who it is and what your prediction would be for that. I mean, I have, I have a bunch of guys because I feel like a lot of these games are like, you know, some. I mean, Minnesota and San Fran have some good defenses. But, like, the Casey-Houston games, you know, there's going to be a lot of points scored in that game in general. But the, the guy I'm going to go with – right now is going to be Gus Edwards. Um, Mark Ingram is going to play, but he is banged up with a calf injury. I think Gus Edwards gets loose a couple times for some touchdowns. Uh, I think he's going to be the focal point of the running game. And the Titans defense is solid, but not great. I, I, see, uh, I see Gus Edwards having a nice day. I was not expecting that at all. That's, uh, that's fair. Uh, I, could, I could possibly see that happening. I, I think the Ravens are going to move the ball downfield pretty, pretty easily, easily in yeah. that game. Hollywood, so, uh, Hollywood. That. Yeah, uh, that's my that's my boy that I gave up on before the season even started. Yeah. Uh, my, I think my my fancy guy. I'm gonna stick with the guy that I mentioned before. I think uh, Tyree Kill gets loose for one deep. I, I'll predict that he goes for. I don't think maybe. I don't think he'll get huge volume necessarily. Uh, but he'll get loose. I'll go with uh, five catches 
for 110 yards and touchdown. All right, well, since you're giving numbers, I'll give, uh, I'll give you 80 yards rushing for Gus Edwards, two touchdowns, though. Okay. Yeah, that's bangs a good – Bangs in some short ones. So if um, you believe in a Tony D, then uh, get Gus Edwards in your lineup this week. Let me actually make one other point because um, I was thinking about this the other day. I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, um, you know, just in, in general team building, we, we talk a lot about team building on the show and, and cow, especially how it you know, pertains to Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, and NFC East in general. Um, a thing I noticed when I was watching the – thought about when I was watching the Seattle Eagles game last week was – DK Metcalf went off for, I think, 160 yards on eight catches. And we, we did – we were talking about one of those, either him or uh, Lockett were going to go. Well, I, I remember you uh, you had made the point. You can you can definitely see a Seattle guys, yeah. Seahawk wide receiver both, yeah. go off. And I had mentioned – I can say, I, I felt like Lockett was due. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you were right. Well, we, we both agreed DK could too, though. He was, he's unbelievable. Yeah, either guy. I, well, my point – Just the history of the, the Eagles defense, yeah, this year. But, yeah, go ahead and make a point. My point is how easy it is to just make, like, a, like in drafting, just a, such a small error that can end up being such a big difference maker. The, ja- the Eagles picked Ar- Ortega Whiteside over DK Metcalf. Could you imagine if those, those two players were swapped during that game? And let's say, you know, Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt. I mean, I think if they have DK Metcalf, the Eagles are a di- completely different team this year if they have that one more receiver. Could you imagine even going into the season they would have DK Metcalf? Um, it, it never, they never stayed healthy, but Alshon Jeffrey, DK Metcalf, Deshaun Jackson, that would be a dirty three receivers. Dirty, completely dirty. And, and Wentz mm-hmm. would be able to, like you said, Wentz does a good deep ball. I mean, it would be similar to what he has in Russell Wilson you know, with these great deep balls. He went up and got that last one. It's amazing. The reason I think about this, too, is just like the Cowboys have drafted pretty well lately. We talk about, you know, the, you know, the conundrum of having too many good young players. But, you know, there still has been a handful of mistakes the Cowboys have made in early rounds that have really hurt them a lot. Like even Tristan Hill last year, second-round pick, he has not panned out so far. He's got time, but he still hasn't panned out so far. And, you know, the, the, the pick they already moved on for, Taco Charlton, these are huge picks that the Cowboys have missed. And they're the difference between being in the playoffs playing still and, you know, being on the outside looking in like the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Giants now are. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the nature of drafting. When you, got, when you make mistakes, it sets you back. And it could set you back for years, potentially, if you're, uh, you're missing. For one, if you're missing out on, like, uh, generational-type players or players that can make a big impact, especially immediately. Uh, and then, like, the players that you're taking, if, if you're putting them in. Out, they're not panning out. They're not playing well. It's not only that they're not panning out, but they're also hurting your team because they're not playing well. So yeah. it's uh, and you have to you almost you're invested to a point where you you need them to you need them to play. I mean, uh, I mean Taco Charlton could have had a role in the Cowboys this year. He just was a terrible fit in the locker room because of just his attitude in general. But you know, missing out on a on, on a first round player in that situation, you could have traded that first round pick and gotten something in return. You could have gotten the equivalent of Amari Cooper. You could have gotten, you know, combined it with some other picks and get, uh, you know, a Jamal Adams, but now you've wasted that pick and gotten absolutely nothing for it. Yeah, and that's why earlier on in the episode I was advocating for Taysom Hill being worth uh, – yeah. easily worth the first-round pick because you know what he is, what he's been able to do in the league already. And at the end of the day, when you're drafting, these are all college players that are coming to the NFL for the Never first know. time, becoming professionals. You don't know what they're going to turn into. So mm-hmm. it's – uh. Yeah, it's a it's a big deal when you're missing on some of those picks. So I, that's why I'm a, I'm an advocate for you could trade. I'm open to trading picks as long as you're giving up the right amount and getting uh, and getting a, and getting a, a player and getting a player that's value. Yep. yep. Yeah. All, All right. right. Buzz. 
I think that's yeah, it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's shut it down for the week. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Second and Nine. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, listen to us soon. We'll be back next week uh, to talk up the, the conference championships. We'll recap a little bit of the, the divisional rounds. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. See you later, Tony. Take care, brother.